hello and welcome to the Thomas Life and Coffee podcast. My name is Thomas Yellowise and I am your host. And today we have another amazing overcomer going to share her story with us today, Paige Hairston. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that correctly. Paige is a mom to four daughters, 20, 23, 25, and 27. And from what I understand, three of them just graduated in the, like the last week. And we're definitely going to hear about that. Wife to a wonderful husband, originally from Los Angeles, but came to Portland for school. And she teaches at like three different colleges, which is crazy, Mount Hood, PCC, and Warner Pacific University. I'm not sure if you teach reading and writing at all of those, but you're definitely a part of all three of those. And I'm sure you can fill in the blank for us there. So Paige, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's good to be here this morning. Great. So tell us, you said you were three daughters that were graduating this last yeah. week. <laughs> yes. So the 27-year-old, she graduated from University of, well, Howard University Med School on May 8th in Washington, D.C. And then on May 12th, the 23-year-old graduated from University of Nevada in Reno with her public health undergrad degree. And then on May 14th, the 25-year-old graduated from University of Oregon Law School, U of O Law School. Wow. <laughs> <May> 14th. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think that we were trying to connect during that time. So we were trying to dodge flights and, and graduation. So I'm really glad we did connect finally. Me too. <laughs> So talk to me about the teaching. So you teach at the Mount Hood PCC in Warner. Is that all reading and writing or is that different positions? Yeah. So I'll just break it down really quickly, briefly. At Mount Hood Community College, I teach for two different departments. I teach for the ABE GED department, reading and writing, language arts. And then in the humanities department, I teach reading 115, reading 90, just working on critical thinking, critical study skills, critical reading, and college study reading material. Just beefing up those college students who need that extra boost of getting more acclimated to college reading and college classes and the overall, the overall adjustment of college material, reading material, because it is quite different from, from high school. And then at PCC, I teach intermediate reading and writing for the GED ABE department. Sometimes I teach advanced reading and writing with them as well. And then at Warner Pacific University, I teach for the education departments. I teach education classes one at a time. And, and then I supervise student teachers. I have about three or four student teachers per year that I supervise and observe in their student teaching and give them feedback on my observations in the classroom, which is really interesting throughout COVID because they were teaching online. So that was really interesting to do observations online, but I'll be really happy to be back in the classroom observing student teachers again and being able to have that connection with them. That's great. You uh, were recommended by Deb Hart because you have a great overcoming story and obviously connected to her. So let's, before we even jump into the story, how are you, I mean, how did you connect with Deb Hart? 
Let's see. I I was in the middle of my treatment last year, this time last year. And I think I was, this time last year, I was still going through chemotherapy. I lost all my hair. So, you know, you're not feeling the best. And I was a part of Breast Friends of Oregon, which was really great as well. But then we went online and then everything went online and it was just like, oh my gosh, like I can't do another thing online. So I, when I finished up chemotherapy, I started going to radiation, which was five days a week, every day. I met another cancer survivor that worked there. Her name was Jocelyn and Joylene. Her name was Joylene. And uh, we hit it off just right away. The first day that I was there for my orientation for radiation, that appointment and that, that long appointment that you have with them, my husband was with me and she just reached out to me and just said, oh, I'm, I'm in remission and it's been about two or three years and you're going to make it, your hair's going to grow back. And I was just like, at that point, you know, at the end of chemo and then at the beginning of re- like another treatment. So I wasn't feeling, I wasn't in the best mo- best of moods. I was just like, yeah, sure. I hope it does. Like, I, right. hope I, I hope I feel better eventually. <laughs> but all throughout treatment and things like that, I still worked out. I tried to eat pretty good. I rested a lot. So I, I wanted to make sure I was taking care of my body and things like that, because your body just completely breaks down with all the treatment. So, you know, I'm, I'm, of course, obviously you're getting to know everybody because you're coming in every single day for five days a week for radiation. And they kind of see you at your lowest because you're just exhausted. And I remember every day when I came in there, I was just, I was started looking forward not the radiation, but looking forward to seeing Jolene. And I remember on my second week, she said, oh, you know, are you part of any, I'm part of this breast cancer support group. It's called Pink Sisters. And Deb Hart, she's amazing. And she gave me these flyers. And I was like, I would love to be a part of it. She goes, they have like, what is that? Something that they, I can't think of that word right now, but they do pink. She does it, the rafting over the weekend and things like that. Lots of fellowship. And when I think of the name, oh. <laughs> but she said, there's all these activities that you can do. And she takes you out on her boat and this and the other. And I was like, sign me up. I want to do that. I want to have fun. <laughs> right. So Jolene gets me in contact with Deb Hart. And Deb Hart calls me and we have a conversation. And then she sent me a text with all the information about the boat excursion, there's rafting, there's, you know, whatever you want to do, canoeing. So Joylene had another friend too, that was around the same as me in treatment. And Joylene was like, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go and I want you to come too. You're going to really like this, this whole day. She serves us lunch, everything gives you gift bags. And so I said, okay, let's do it. And we just had the best time out on this boat Deb was just so, so amazing and so understanding and just really, really great to talk to. She had been through it all. And so it was so great for Joylene. We're still friends now. And it was so great for Joylene to just, to just kind of lift me up in that way, because I really was just kind of like, yeah, Eh. <laughs> really enjoying things. And so I think it was just the beginning of me. Oh, you know, even through COVID, we can still get together. We're outside. We're, 
Right. And it was just the four of us and the circle was small and it was very safe. And so it, it, that, that really helped me through that treatment. And it helped me in, as far as my, my mental capacity is concerned, my emotional stability, just at that time. Okay. So you had a great time, the four of you? Really, really great time. Out on the boat, we did all kinds of activities, canoeing. I had never been canoeing before and got a life jacket on. It was just, it was just a really great, great day, a beautiful day to do this, a great time, fellowship with other, with other breast cancer survivors. And she fed us lunch on the boat. It was just, it was exactly what I needed at that time, mentally, emotionally, just all the way around. It was something that in my spirit, I knew that I needed and it just fed me so much. So that was the, the really great thing about that whole day of just, you know, meeting other women and sharing our stories and then being able to meet in person because we had been in COVID through treatment and, and surgery and things like that. So it was just like, so great to do something, something fun and not something not medical. Right. <laughs> Right, right. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, I know that's it's similar to what others have said in their experience of getting to meet Deb. So, and, and of course, I met Deb on the pickleball court, and we didn't know that this was how this was going to play out. And it's been a, just an amazing, she's been an amazing woman to get to know and have on the pickleball court and having the privilege to teach her how to play the game of pickleball. So, yeah, so go ahead and just Let's jump right in. Start tell start where you want to, and yeah. Okay, my story. Your story. <laughs> okay, so the day I got diagnosed with breast cancer, it was. I remember, you know, you never forget that date. It was January thirtieth. I had had the biopsy literally the week before, and you know, the breast biopsy. You know, I wasn't really. I was a little concerned, but not that much concerned because I didn't really feel sick. I felt mostly just run down and tired, but I just figured me being a mom, a wife, working, things like that, you just feel tired. I kind of, you kind of get into that zone of just, ah, oh, I'm just tired, it's nothing. And I'll just drink a cup of coffee or I'll sleep more. And, you know, I remember I was that morning, you just never forget that morning and what it was like. I was getting ready to go. I wasn't, I was like, you know what? I'm not gonna worry about it. It is what it is. I'm just going to go. I love Zumba class. So I got ready for Zumba class and I was really looking forward to going to Zumba. So I was like, ah, I'm just ready to go. And it was the nurse uh, navigator, Astra. And she said, hi, this is Paige Harrison. And I said, yeah. And she said, hi, Paige. I want to talk to you about your biopsy results. And that's when I was like, oh. So I said, okay. So I just stopped the car and I said, well, you know, I wasn't even driving yet, but I just kind of closed the garage door. I said, well, let me get in the house because I was about to go to Zumba class. And, you know, I still had like, yeah, pep in my step. So she said, well, the results came out positive. You, you have breast cancer. And, you know, when you hear those words, I, I don't think I can explain how much fear, how much, you know, just the worry of just like, oh my gosh, you know, because you do all these things, take care of yourself. I don't think I talk about this too much, so I'm so sorry. It's all right. It's all right. Hmm. 
It's weird. I don't talk about that that much. So I don't know why I'm doing this, but all right. My mom had been diagnosed with uh, stage two invasive ductal carcinoma about 20 years ago. And my aunt was diagnosed about, about 10 years ago with breast cancer. So I was just like, I guess that's the connection, you know, but she said, you have invasive ductal carcinoma and here's how big the, the cancer mass is. And she said, you're, I have everything set up. She was really good on the phone. She said, do you need a minute? And I said, yeah, I do actually. And she said, well, I'll wait. You know, they must go through counseling. They probably, they probably should go through intensive counseling of just being able to break that news to somebody over the phone. (laughs) Right. Because it was pretty, it was pretty harsh. It was pretty hard. So she said, I need you to get your, here's what I need you to do. I need you to get your notebook back. So this is what I need you to do. I need you to take out a notebook and your calendar. And these are the, this is a date that I'm going to, a couple dates I'm going to give you, but this is the, one of the dates that we have a special appointment. We have it with all three of your medical oncology doctors that can see you. We have one with your breast surgeon and then one with your medical oncologist and one with your radiation, radiation oncologist. And she said, and it's, it's, we call it a three in one and you see them back to back. You'll see one for about 30 minutes and then the other one comes in. And so she said that this is a great appointment to have because you get everything counts, you get everything scheduled and then you get to talk about everything with them, your treatment and things like that. So I said, okay, all right. So I got it on the books and she said, and here's all the other information I'm going to send you these other things. I said, okay, okay. And I was just kind of, of course I was a mess, not kind of a mess, but just a mess, a complete mess. I remember the rest of the conversation was just logistics and things like that. And so when I hung up with her, I just took a, oh, a little bit and I bawled for a while. I bawled my eyes out. And just because I know what's, what's up ahead, there's this dark area that you don't know about. There's this dark area that you're just, it's the unknown and I'm in the unknown and cancer's scary. And so I get myself together. I get all cried out. Well, at least I thought it was all cried out and I take a beat, take a minute and say, okay, let me call my husband. And, you know, I'm not one to just come home quickly. He's in meetings. He's really busy at work. And I call and I'm talking to his secretary. I said, oh, hey, is John Harrison available? And the secretary was like, oh, he's in a meeting. I said, yeah, could you have him give me a call whenever he has a break? And I was like, no rush. It just, um, just give me a call whenever he has a break. So about 30 minutes later, he calls. He said, hey, what's up? I said, hey, can you talk for a minute? I need you to just kind of go in your office, close the door, take a break. He said, yeah, yeah, what's up? I said, well, the biopsy results came back. And, and I said, well, I have breast cancer. And, you know, the results came out positive. I immediately, he just starts, just, I hear him. He's not loudly crying, but he's crying on the phone. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Then I start crying on the phone. So it's one of those things where you just, it's, it's so emotional and so scary. So I said, I said, it's going to be okay. I said, I'm even, even though I was like, I didn't know if I was going to be okay. I said, I'm going to be okay. I have like really good doctors. And he said, I'm coming home. I said, you don't have to. He said, I want to come home. He said, do you want me to come home? I said, well, yeah, yeah. But you know, I don't want you to 
disturb work or anything like that. It might be good for you to just work the, the day and come home tonight, you know? And he said, okay, I think I'm just going to come home. I said, okay, whatever you want to do, I'm fine with. He comes home, he's a mess. And so you, you almost fall into the, the role of having to take care of the other people that are sad around you. And I was like, he's crying more than me. And I'm like, oh, I, it's good. It's okay. You know? So it's almost like not a laughable situation. I can laugh at it now if I can do that. But we, we go about the process of, of connecting with our daughters and, oh my gosh, we had one in Japan and we had one in DC. And then we had two at, in Nevada. I said, let's text them first, do a family chat text and just say, when are you guys available for a phone call? And so they each kind of text us back. So we called the, the first one FaceTimed us. She was in Japan and she FaceTimed us. I said, hey, Juliana, how's everything going? She goes, oh, good. I said, hey, we just want to, because, you know, we, they're adults. And I said, you know, we're going to be upfront and transparent with this with them and all of this because they need to know and how to handle it and let them make the decision if, if they want to come home for a little bit or not. But, you know, I was like, I don't want them to disturb their school. So, but I did want them to know everything, the, the whole, all the details so that they could be as informed as possible, as much as possible. So the one in Japan, she just starts bawling on the phone. And again, I'm in back into the role of comforting. I'm in the best care. It's going to be okay. Even though I don't think, I don't know. It's going to work out. She's bawling. So I just, and I couldn't, I couldn't control those tears. So I was just like, started crying again too. Then we go about, so we get off the phone with her, go about telling the, the one at Howard, the med, med student. She's at the hospital. She's on break. So we call her and we tell her she's on speaker and then she starts crying. And I said, I'm going to be okay. It's going to work out. And she's just falling. She goes, I know, I know. But it's just one of those things where they're, they're just sad. They're sad for, for me. They're sad for our family and they're worried. They should be. And then we call the other two youngest ones in Nevada and we break it to them and they start crying. So it was just a day full of, right, right. So mm -hmm. not the not the best day. I can just have, honestly say that. There's been a lot of not best days, including chemo. <laughs> so we go about telling all of our girls, long story short, I, I just say, I, I just need to get out of the house. So I go for a nice long run, put my earbuds in and just hit the pavement and go to the park, walk in nature a little bit and just clear my head. And like, you know, it's, it is what it is. And God's not going to give me any more I can handle. And he's going to take care of me. And if it turns out that, well, then that's, that's my, that's what's, that's part of the plan. It's I'm not, in, we're not in control of any of this. Even the best, most in shape people who take care of themselves, do everything right. They get stage four cancer and die in six months. And so I just said, you know, I'm just going to accept it and do my best, take every treatment, throw the kitchen sink at this and hope and pray and do that and let my, my fellow people crowd around me 
allow that to happen. I'm a very strong person and independent. And, you know, I don't like to depend on people. So a lot of my friends and my coworkers wanted to bring meals and things like that. And I was like, no, that's okay. Some advice that my girlfriend gave me, she said, why are you taking away the gift of people wanting to give to you? I said, what do you mean? She said, it's exactly what I mean. So you're taking away the gift of people wanting to care for you and love on you and give to you. If they want to do that, let them. She said, this is the only time in your life where people are going to be doing this. And she said, why not have some great meals delivered to you? Why, why have to worry about it? And she said, I'm going to set up this meal train and we're going to get it on the books and let people sign up and help you and love on you. And, you know, so I, I didn't know how much I really needed that, but you know, after that surgery, so let's flash forward to about three weeks, three and a half weeks later after diagnosis, I'm on the operating table. I have a cancer mass to remove. And she said, I'm going to remove 10 lip nodes, auxiliary node dissection. And, and then there was a tumor in my back muscle, my left flank muscle that was the size of an egg. It was Mm. benign, but she said, you know, that needs to come out too. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to be on the table anyway. So I said, okay, you know, let's just do it all. So I'm cutting three different places down for a really long time. Must have taken about a three and a half hour surgery, maybe even four hours. And what a hard surgery that was just coming out of it. And and then my whole left side, because everything was, it turns out that the tumor in my back was actually inside my flank muscle. So it, it was in there. She had to cut open the skin and then cut open the, the flank muscle and dig it out and then stitch up the flank muscle and stitch up my back. So she said that, that that's going to give you some discomfort right there. Lots. And I said, all right. And then the, of course the lip nodes and they didn't think that I would have, they thought it, they caught it early enough to where, oh, there's no lip node involvement. So you probably don't, but we're going to take them out. They always take them out just in case. And they uh, dissect the uh, sentinel node. And she said, and then they take out the cancer mass. So they cut out the the lymph, or they cut the into the lymph node, and then what happened? So they take out ten lymph nodes, and they uh, found that there was a small tumor in my sentinel node. So, and she takes out the cancer mass, and and so about three or four days after surgery, she calls me and she said, "I have good news and bad news." And of course, obviously, I'm like, "Give me the bad news first. And so she said, "Okay." She said, "Well, it turns out that." you have cancer in your sentinel node and it's a small tumor, but we need to, we need to make sure it hasn't traveled to the rest of the part of your body. And so we need to do a PET scan. And I was like, how do I go from just being able to get radiation to now? She said, you're going to need chemo. She said, I don't know how much, but you're going to need it. She said, because the sentinel node feeds into all the other organs in your body. You can get, if you have the cancer in your sentinel node, you can get cancer in your liver, your lungs, your chest wall, your blood, your bones, your brain, fun stuff like that. So (laughs) I was like, all right. So she said, we need to schedule a PET scan ASAP to make sure the cancer hasn't traveled to any other parts of your body. So at this point, I'm in pain still from surgery. I'm crying some more. It's it's one of those things where I said, but you told me. She said, yeah, but once we get in there, patient, you know, we don't know. So I said, okay, let's deal with this now. Go about the process of scheduling a PET scan. 
Fortunately, they have a Saturday appointment, literally five days after surgery. So if anyone's ever had a PET scan, you have to stay still. It's a long deal. You could give you an IV and you have to hold your arms up. And at that time I had stitches everywhere. Right. <laughs> so I said, this is painful. <laughs> like, but I tried my best and got the results a few days later of the PET scan. And so far what they could see, no cancer had spread to any other organs or any other places in my body. So she said, but you still need to do chemo because it's one of those things where we can't see it. We don't have the technology to see micro cancer cells. So she said, we need to make sure that we treat you systemically to make sure that we eradicate all of it. If there's anything left over, because it's sneaky that way. And so I said, okay, really great. I'm at Kaiser Permanente. The oncology clinic is, is amazing. Everybody there is amazing. I had a really great surgeon. So flash forward to a month later, and this is in March. And setting, going to my new, my first appointment for chemotherapy. And you don't think that you're going to stress out about losing your hair. So I wasn't, I was just like, okay, I'll do chemo and let's fine. Let's lose the hair. And I was, at one point I was thinking about one of those cool caps, but I was like, nah, I'll, I'll rock a, a buzz cut for, let me just be, start new, fresh. Right. Well, let's go to the first chemotherapy session. First chemo round. They said three hours. It lasted for about five hours. <laughs> Go home. And it's given intravenously. I didn't get a port because she said that this type of chemo, I was getting given two different types of chemo. This type of chemo works really well intravenously. And I said, not another surgery. That's fine because you have to have surgery with port. It hurts. Right. <laughs> I'm not really one to, I'm still recovering from the other surgery. So I'm not really wanting to get cut on again. So after the first round, I was very sick. I think I lost 15 pounds in like three days. And that was just, I just wasn't hungry. I just couldn't keep anything down. I couldn't even keep Gatorade down. So it was, it was an interesting thing. And even though they give you a lot of medicine and things like that, anti-nausea medicine and progesterone, things like that, you're just still, or the other medicine, um, not progesterone. I can't think of the name. They're all really long, but steroids to keep your, help you with your appetite and your strength and things like that. And unbeknownst to myself and my husband, after, I think I remember her saying this at the first orientation for chemo, but she said that I would need these injections in my stomach to bring up my white blood count after every chemo round. So yeah, there's a couple different ways that they can do it, but they chose the one where you have to get injections in your stomach mm. five days in a row <laughs> after each chemo round. So that, was very interesting, actually. So I had about three days after the first chemo round, my husband had the injections in the, you have to keep them in the fridge. And he said, okay, let's go do it around the same time every night, take some medicine before, had to get injections of this medicine into my stomach to help bring up my, keep up my white blood count, things like that. So that was interesting. And that was after every chemo round. So not a good time. So let's, let's flash forward to recovering from chemo because into the last chemo round, by the time the last chemo round comes around, I am done. I am more than done. I'm sporting a baseball cap. I am just I sleep a lot. I go for a lot of walks. And by the time the last 
Game around rolls around. I'm and we're in COVID. I'm just ready to just kind of okay. I just need a break. I just you know I need a break from going to the doctor every other week and and get phone calls and. I had to go to the ER once or twice because of dehydration and not a good time. <laughs> right. Wow. And then, you know, you think that you think that, oh, you know, I'm going to lose my hair. It's okay. It's okay. When you lose your hair, all of it, not by choice. Not great. I was like, you know what? I wish I would have cool capped it. And so I say this as a kind of a joking manner. If I ever were to go through chemo again and they say, you're going to lose your hair. I'm totally buying the most expensive cool cap ever because I <laughs> actually like my hair. Here's the thing. Like your head is cold all the time. My head was cold in the house. I have so many beanies now and hats and all kinds of head wraps and things because my head was cold nonstop because you're cold while you're in chemo too. Yes. You're, you're not, you're the weakest you know, through chemo. So I said, oh, I'm totally going to cool cap it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to buy the best one. Because they did introduce it. They did say, you keep most of your hair, it just kind of thins out. So (laughs) yeah. So after that, I get ready for another treatment, but I have to give you a month off. So during that month, my husband and I decide we're golfers. So we decided to take a nice trip to Eagle Crest, play some golf which was really great to do and um, have some normalcy and then come back home. And we visited our girls and we, you know, we did just a, a road trip. It was so nice to be able to do that and make it back to Portland. I remember it's maybe about four or five days before starting radiation. I just get like depressed because I'm like, you know, it's not over. Hair still hasn't grown back. It's been a month after people <laughs> and I still don't have any hair. Matter of fact, more came out and like my, my eyebrows fell out after the last chemo. My actually, my eyebrows actually fell out a month after chemo. <laughs> and my mm-hmm. eyelashes, I said, is this some sick joke? Like, is this, is this real? Like, are you serious? So I was like, sucks. My life sucks right now. I just, I just, you have to just accept that moment and just say, you know what? It's going to, and call it what it is. I'm going to call it. I'm not going to be fake about it. You can't be fake about it. You have to be real. You have to be real in your feelings. And I said, I'm going to be totally in my feelings right now. And I'm, I'm just going to accept it and own it. And just here I am. I am in a pretty effed up place right now. (laughs) And I'm in a pretty effed up state of mind. Oh, and I also talked to an oncology counselor at Kaiser. Uh, Marcy, she's amazing. And she helped me through so much mentally because I was going through it. And you really are. You really are. Because when you get diagnosed with cancer, you think I'm going to, you think about it every day. I'm going to die. That's what you think. So that's scary in and of itself. And just all the mental things that come with it. Yeah. And I worked a little bit all throughout, but it didn't work as much. So little did I know that I would meet there's just this really awesome team in radiation. And we always have this running joke because I'm not the only one who feels this way, but the chemotherapy nurses are not as nice as the radiation Mm. people. (laughs) And maybe it's because that job is really hard giving chemo to patients. Things like they have to have this tough exterior. So I was like, they're very nice. I mean, they're nice, but the radiation people are just all smiles and they're just I don't know. It's just a whole different (laughs) vibe. I was like, this is black and white right here. (laughs) Right. So little did I know, walk into radiation and just, there's just 
this warm, like positive vibe going on. And I'm like, okay, all right, let's do this. Like, you know, so I was able to get through that. And then that's when I met Joylene. And then that's when I met Deb and the pink and going into that. And that whole summer, it, it was all about just recovery and getting stronger, getting my body back because my last chemo round was probably like June 1st of 2020. So that was my last chemo round coming up on my year last chemo round. Very happy. But you know, yeah, that whole summer was all about just recovering and things like that and getting my body back. So I worked up to, you know, going back to running a little bit more and I walked a lot, but running, cause running was my thing, doing stairs, things like that. Oh, and throughout this whole thing too, I think I, I think in the middle of chemo, because I would, you know, if I felt good, sometimes you feel good after the second week of chemo, having chemo, I had energy. So I'd go for a run and I'm like, I'm feeling pretty good. I don't know if it's the steroids or, <laughs> but I'm feeling all right. You have kind of some energy pep in your steps. So I would go for runs. So I think I remember my medical oncologist telling me that, you know, you need to kind of take it easy and not work out so hard. And I think I just push myself a little bit more. So I, you know, I tore my meniscus in my mm. left knee, but just a, a minor tear, a lateral tear. And I was like, how did I do that? So I, all throughout that too, that summer was all about recovering <laughs> from <laughs> torn meniscus. And of course my um, orthopedic surgeon, he said, let's, let's be, let's be um, conservative. Let's let's do physical therapy. Let's treat you this way before cutting into you. See, because, you know, do you really want to go into surgery? And I said, well, no, of course not. <laughs> you know, people with torn meniscus, they actually can heal on their own, things like that. So I said, right. let's do it. Let's not go for surgery again. Yeah. Yeah. That whole summer was just all about finding myself again, praying for more hair because I was at this point, I'm, I hadn't had hair for about five or six months. And I was mm. like, it would just be nice to have. So I think I went on the, the pink sisters. It was the day, day trip. Uh, probably sometime in August or something. And I had just like a little peach fuzz going on, which was nice because the other girl did too next to me. So I was like, yeah, let's, let's be proud. We're getting some hair coming in. And so I started feeling better about myself and things like that. And fall rolls around all throughout this time though. I'm teaching online, not mm -hmm. a lot, but I am teaching online too at PCC and Mountain Hood and a little bit at, at Warner all throughout summer, fall rolls around. 2020 and hair starts growing in. I start feeling a little bit better, but you know, here's the thing about, I think chemotherapy and treatment, like my, even right now, like when I told you last week, when you and I had that phone conversation, I love sleep now. I never used to be like a huge sleeper, but now I'm a huge sleeper. Hmm. I sleep in quite a bit. And so that's the thing about that is that I never used to really sleep in that much, but except for the weekends, now I sleep in just about almost every day. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of build my class schedule around, well, I can't have anything too early because I'm just not quite awake or there yet. I'm slow. I, I'm slower now. And that could be to age. I'm 52. So, mm. you know, it could be that too. <laughs> right playing in part of that, but I laugh about it now. And and now a head full of hair and, you know, I, I think my outlook on this is that I just appreciate things more. I appreciate, even though I don't have like hair 
it's not as long as it used to be. It will get there. And I am just happy that I'm not sporting a baseball cap on every time I go to the grocery store or something like that, or my head's not as cold anymore. So it's just, and, and, you know, my daughters are just like, mom, we love your hair. It's <laughs> it styled. And, you know, I got a trim for the first time in a year and a half. <laughs> and I got a little cute shape and things like that. And it actually just made me feel so normal. And that was the thing of just feeling normal and having that normalcy of just going about life and, you know, meeting girlfriends for lunch. And, and I think too, COVID had a lot to do with just not being able to do things. I mean, gosh, go figure. I'm not the only one who's been diagnosed with cancer through a pandemic, having to go through surgery and treatment through a pandemic. There's a lot of people that are like, this is a double-edged sword right here. (laughs) But then it's like, you look at it and you say, you know, we're in COVID and the weather would be nice and nobody could do anything anyway. So I was like, even though I'm not missing out on anything because no one can do anything. Right. <laughs> nothing's open. Nothing's happening anyway. So might as well just stay home and go nurse myself back to health and things like that. Yeah. So it's a um, really great perspective. Thank really you. great perspective. Thank you. So during all of this, which is, I'm just, I'm standing here thinking, wow, I can't imagine but just listening to your perspective, listening to how you're, you approach this is amazing. How you pers- how quick you adapted, how quick you, your mindset changed to accept what was happening. And I think that really, and, and I'm just stepping out on a limb here, but I think that really helped you walk this out when you made that, like, this is what it is. And we're gonna, now we're going to deal with this. I mean, that's, that's a lot of what I'm hearing in the different podcasts, when people get to that, then they get there quick. It's, hey, this is what it is. And this is what we're going to, this is what we're walking through now. That's really amazing to hear you say that. When another young lady listens to this podcast, what would be a message if she's going through the same thing? What would be a message that you'd want to give her? Oh, there's a lot, but I would definitely have to say, be kind to yourself. Give yourself, give yourself deference and accept, accept help, accept love, accept the fact people want to care for you. Don't say, oh, I'm, I'm good. I'm fine. If you're not right, be honest, be in your truth. And if you're not okay, just say it. I'm not okay. I'm actually not doing too good right now. And this is why. And be transparent because I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that this is the gift of having cancer, but I'm saying that things become very real when you get cancer. You things become you don't you see bullshit. Sorry, <laughs> you see BS very very quickly, and you recognize it, and you just don't you know the importance of time, right? Being around people who care and who love you and who make you feel good. Right. So if anything, be in your truth, be kind to yourself, be patient with yourself and be transparent and be truthful and be brave, be strong. And if you're not say it right, own it, own whatever feeling you have, just own it. And then, and then see how best you can deal with it. Ask for help. I, I called whenever something came up and I still do that now. 
I don't, I don't hesitate at all. If there's one little thing or something like that, I'm like, hello, something's not going too good right now. Not feeling too great. I call, I used to hesitate a lot. Yeah, I'll be okay. I'll be okay. Now I'm like, no, no, no. Hi, this is Paige Harrison. (laughs) (laughs) I have this going on. I have this problem. This is hurting me. I need to know why. Can you help me? Quality of life. That's what it's all about. It's what you touched on there. I mean, it's, it's even something that I was, when I was raised is a thing that I struggle with. So it's, it's amazing that during this time you had these revelations of just ask for help. Don't, don't basically don't lie about how you're feeling. Be real about that. And then also don't be scared to ask for help and accept help. And that's, I mean, that's something that I see a lot of people, cancer, no cancer, they struggle with. And I think it's very important. I think it to some degree is what connects us to our other human beings is to let people know that we're not okay and to let people know how we're feeling and that we need help. So that's, that's really good. I mean, that's, that's what's resonating with me from your story is, is hearing you say that. And I'm hoping that somebody who's listening, going to listen to this podcast, hears that as well. So how was your husband during this time? I mean, I know how he was when he got the news, but how was he through this journey? He, was amazing but I'm gonna be honest he was scared and I think a lot of men don't so he was pretty he was pretty amazing and just really helpful and caring and loving but at the same time of course obviously scared and then as time went on and as I was going through treatment I've noticed that mentally he was kind of struggling and I said and emotionally. And I said, you know, I'm talking to somebody. I think you should too. I'm going to a counselor. And so we canceled a little bit. We went to the counselor together for a few sessions because I said, you know, you need to understand this is scary for me. This is not just something that, oh, you know, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. It's like, yeah, like eventually he started saying that you'll be fine. You'll be fine. But I'm like, do you even know what you're saying? have you gotten this? Have you been through what I've been going? So that was kind of, I was like, do you even care? Like at first he was just like all this stuff. And then all of a sudden I'm going through treatment and everything. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. But he would be tentative and then be worried. And so I was like, you're confusing me. (laughs) 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 So I said, be one way. (laughs) But for the most part, he did. He went to counseling with me, did a few sessions because I said, this needs to happen. Like you need to be able to talk out your feelings as well about all of this. Right. Yeah. Right. But he was, he was, he handled it. He handled it pretty good. I mean, we were golfers, so we did golf together a little bit more than we usually do, which was very nice. And, you know, now it's, it's all about us because here's the, the not a funny thing, but here's the weird thing about it is that, you know, our, our youngest daughter, she graduated from college in 2019. So we were empty nesters for six months. And then I get diagnosed with breast cancer. <laughs> so I, was, I was diagnosed with breast cancer her freshman year. And um, I'm like, ain't this a weird story? Like <laughs> what? Who does this? Like we had we were empty nesters, finally got the last one out of the house and we were like, yay. We're... So we had the best summer and everything. And then we went to travel. And then January, 2020, 
six months after she moves out, I get breast cancer. And I said, this is a sick joke. This is literally a sick joke. Who does this? (laughs) But him and I both talk, we both kind of laugh. We chuckle about it because we were like, yeah, that was, we had like six months and then boom. And then COVID happened and then they came home. for college but you know he he is he's really awesome he it's you know men don't like to express themselves all that well and he's pretty good about doing it but you know for the most part he he was he was very good with our girls and he was he was very good with with me and you know if I whatever I needed anything I needed he even said you know if you don't want to work don't work and I think I needed work to keep me preoccupied, some work, you know, I didn't take on a ton, but I still wanted to kind of keep my mind because, you know, if I didn't, I'd be thinking about being sick all day and, uh, I'm not going to go for a walk. I feel too weak or whatever. Even if you feel weak, you need to get up, force yourself, mind over matter, force yourself to get up and eat really good. I would make a protein shake for myself with veggies and a little bit of fruit, drink a ton of water. I just can't seem to ditch the coffee, honestly. <laughs> I, I can't seem to ditch it. So I still have my coffee. With all right. But yeah, yeah. All throughout it, he's been, he's been, he's been very good. He's been amazing. He's, you know, we've had some really great talks and yeah, very supportive. So, so outside of being part of these support groups, are you doing anything specifically to support other cancer, I don't want to say, well, currently or survivors? Oh, definitely. So I'm part of, I think I'm part of four different breast cancer support groups, two of which are online. So recently I, there's, there's so many great, great women online, especially on Facebook. There's um, so many great support groups, but the one that I found is breast cancer warrior women or something like that. And we listen to each other's stories or we read about each other's posts. And then we post encouraging likes and encouraging quotes and notes to each other. This, I've been through that. You're going to make it. I mean, having that, that platform of being able to, to let things out, say how you feel, because this group understands actually, there's people who I'm going through, I'm right there with you, sister. I just lost my hair three weeks ago and I am not feeling this. I'm not feeling this bald thing. I'm not a wig wearer. <laughs> I'm not a wig person. And so just inspiring each other online. And then I'm, I'm part of Breast Friends as well. And so they have a walk and talk support group, which is going to be meeting up pretty soon. And I, you know, I'm part of that and I'm part of Pink Sisters. I just want to be able to be around women and encourage them and inspire them. I just recently though, because I got this idea from another, I forgot her name, but she's part of my online breast cancer support women. She, you know, lost all her hair is, I, I, I think she's in, I don't know if she's in, I don't know what part she's in her treatment, but She's African-American and she, if she would have these songs from like the nineties, this R&B hip hop songs, and she would do these little dance videos and, you know, she would just be moving and grooving. And I said, I'm doing that. Mm. I am doing that. I am going to inspire. So I made a cute little dance video and it's to Ciara. This is cute little song. And I made another one to Jay Boog. He's like a, a Hawaiian reggaeton 
Hawaiian artists. And I made a couple of dance videos, just a cute little dance videos. And I posted them to Breast Cancer Survivor Warriors. And I think I did Breast, I'm not sure if I did Breast Friends yet or Pink Sisters yet, but I know that I did that one because that one is solely online. And there were so many ladies that came back and said, I, I really needed this. I really, I want to dance with you. I've been watching you and oh my goodness, I've been watching you journey since day one and you just inspire me. I said, thank you. You inspire me. Hmm. So it's one of those things where it's the gift that keeps on giving. You just be around women and you fellowship with them and you talk about the journey because it's not, it doesn't end when treatment ends. Your journey is still, we still have to go to medical oncology appointments. You just have to get closely monitored. You have to be, I'm on medicine that I'd rather not be on right now for five years. You still have to get all kinds of things, blood drawn and make sure your red blood count and white blood count, all these things. So just being getting support and being supportive and encouraging to each other is so important to me. I mean, these women, either they're online or in person, you know, we're just, we have a sisterhood and that is something that I never thought I'd be a part of. Well, if you want to share any of those links, we'll definitely put them in the podcast for any ladies who run across this podcast and want to check out those groups. You send those links to me and I can put those in the description below. Paige, it's been an amazing uh, time that we have had together to listen to your story. And as you have just been sharing it, I can just see the light that in your energy is just so amazing, especially since it, I mean, it's been pretty recent. It's not that long ago that you've gone through this, that part of your journey to get to this part of your journey. But I think what the benefit is, is that there are a lot at this part of the journey, you're going to be able to help a lot of uh, ladies who are currently going through that, the past part or right into this new part. And I can just tell that you're going to be a great help to those uh, ladies as they come through this. So thank you so much for sharing your journey with us. Yeah. If any, yeah. So, so thank you so much. So if this story resonated with you and you want to check out any of those links, they will be in the description below. Uh, feel free to click on them and then maybe a great way to connect with Paige herself through those uh, groups. Also, if you are walking through your own over overcomer story and you just want to uh, just sit down and connect over coffee, there'll be a link down below for you to be able to click on that and schedule a time. And of course, if you know anybody who has an amazing overcomer story and you think they'd be a great fit for this podcast, there will be a link down below. Have them reach out to us or you reach out to us and we would love to sit down and connect with them and see if their story is a good fit. So again, thank you, Paige, for joining us. Thank you. And until <laughs> next time. Yeah. Outstanding. <laughs> outstanding. And until next time, we will see you on the Thomas Life and Coffee podcast. Thank you. Thank you.